The date for the next Million Dollar Sunday is locked. On September 13th, 2015, America's Card Room brings you the next Million Dollar Sunday, a $1 million guaranteed poker tournament with a gigantic $200,000 cash prize for first place. Get your seat through daily free rolls, tons of satellites, and super satellites with multiple guaranteed packages. Don't miss out on your biggest payday yet. AmericasCardRoom.com Okay, welcome to Ask Alex, episode 57 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by AmericasCardRoom.com. If you want 27% rate back from AmericasCardRoom.com, simply sign up for your account using one of the adverts on the OneOuter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash OneOuter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on the OneOuter.com website for free, and also available via iTunes for free. Just search for the One Outer Podcast. If you want to send in any questions for a future show to Alex, then just email questions at oneouter.com or tweet or Facebook us and your question will eventually get read out. Alex, how are you today? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. As always, happy to be here. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I seen. Uh, I can't remember if it was on Facebook or Twitter, but... Last week or so, I've seen a few people say, like, oh, I love uh, the One Hour podcast and stuff like that. And, you know, it's not going to, like, whatever, this is a free show for the people and the listeners. But it does make it, I, I like it. I speak for myself when people say, take the time to tweet or say, like, they enjoy the show and stuff. It lets us know that, you know, I see the downloads, but it lets us know that they're listeners as well, you know. Oh, <laughs> yeah, just... no. It, it means a lot to me, too, because, I mean... It's a lot of me, like, breaking myself, like, yelling answers to things. So I'd like to know somebody is listening, and that does something for me. And it's also, I don't I've always been a big fan of uh, podcasts, and just the idea that we're doing a successful one, that we're actually getting paid to do so, and having, like, fans, that's, that's pretty amazing to me, you know. So just any reminder of that, I really appreciate yeah, likewise. I mean, I always used to think, you know, maybe blogging and stuff, but blogging seems to me a bit like, with nowadays, the way the internet is, I think back in the day, when I say back in the day, I even mean like five years ago or, or ten years mm-hmm. ago, and blogs got a lot of traction. I mean, your blog, remember, all this, that's the way I discovered you. Well, Bluff Magazine was the way I discovered your articles, and then I read your blog, and I remember going through pages, like you starting back at the very start, and like reading it through, and you know it got my attention. But nowadays, it seems like every time I go on to Twitter, and I'm not an active, active Twitter uh, user by any means. But anytime I go on, I find myself in the stream, and there's like this article, that, that this podcast, whatever. And I'm opening things and saving it for later. And you know, like sometimes I I have windows open on my phone browser that like weeks pass, and then I eventually read it, sort of thing. So getting any sort of attention in this like information overload world that we live in just now seems good. And like when I even get check my email, and there's like a new question for the show. It's just good. It's like ah, there's an actual human being that's <laughs> listening to us. It's it's not just download figures or numbers. I see. It's like ah, there's someone that's listening to the show, wants a, to send in a question, has taken the time to send in a question, and it's just yeah, it's good. So I appreciate that, guys, and um. Anybody that's uh, taking the time to send in questions or 
tweeting out, uh, retweeting when we say the show's on, etc. Or telling your friends, it's it's all appreciated. Yes, <laughs> I don't yes. have anything. I have nothing. It, it, for one of the first times in my life, I have nothing to contribute. Yeah, no, no, no. yeah. I I feel like the blogs are. Uh, you got to really. I, I at the same time, I also think if you have about a thousand really loyal fans, you're you can really do about anything. Because you think of a thousand people buying anything. Let's say you self-publish a book, like it's ten dollars. A thousand people, let or let's say it's like twelve ninety-nine. You keep ten dollars. Amazon keeps the three. You sell ten. Uh, you sell a thousand copies, and you get ten bucks each. That's a five-figure payday. You know what I mean? That's pretty. Uh, it's pretty substantial. But yeah, it's a little harder to carve your way in. You got to really. I, I mean, like, I, I have a full-time employee handling, like, the social media stuff, and, I mean, amongst other things, and even then, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I think I carve, I, I think I carve a niche in this industry, but it's certainly not easy. There's so much out there these days. I think you have to have something, re- but at the same time, I like this, the meritocratic nature of it, because you really have to have something interesting to say now. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, in the old days, it was, uh, I remember the fact like Howard Letterer had a blog in like 2005. It was like, oh my God, it's a blog about poker. Like, yeah. I should check this out, you know? And then, uh, you know, he blogged like three times. They were really good. Then he never blogged again. And that was, uh, you know, that was pretty typical. And I, I don't think I'd be where I am if I hadn't blogged like every single day for like years. And it's, we actually have somebody like going through it now on my uh, roster that's, you know, they're cleaning it up. And it's like if there's like repetitive entries, you know, if it's just, it, I mean, there's literally like sometimes there's like two months where like all I was doing was like playing uh, cash games for 10 hours a day. And every entry is like I did good, I did bad, whatever, right? you know, trying to clean up a bunch of that, but it, it's weird to like hold it and it'd be like, wow, man, this is like, you know, th- this is a thousand page journal of my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I read it and I don't even remember a lot of that stuff. Uh, one second. <coughs> Sorry guys. And, uh, like, I don't even like, I, I, I went to college like briefly. Right. And it was pretty bizarre because, at that time, that was when poker first started, and I was really making a lot of money. And, like, you know, just sitting there with, like, kids. I went to high I, – I didn't go to high school with any of them, but it's like, wow, high school was last year, and right now I'm out earning the teachers, you know what I mean? And every – you know, and it's like – it's weird just to read, like, all the impressions of, you know, what that time was like because by, far and away that's just gone from me now. I think everybody should have a – I think the reason I succeeded is I never really wanted uh, a ton of attention or not, not that I didn't want it uh, because eventually I did make it work for myself, but like, I never really thought of it. I just kind of wrote because I thought it'd be enjoyable. And if I did fail, if at 23 years old, I, you know, it, it didn't work out and I stopped playing poker and I had to go pick up the pieces and do it again uh, with something else. I wanted some record that I had tried and I wanted to read what it was like. And, you know, I, I could go back in 20 years and go like, look, you know, uh, yeah. 
you know, daddy tried, you know, daddy went out there and had adventures, like, check that out. And then, you know, I could, you you could read it and you could, because like, I don't don't really know a whole lot about my father. Like, I, I don't know where, you know, he's from Alaska. I don't really know Alaska. I don't, he, he was like a state champion in half a dozen sports. I don't really know much about it. Like, I don't know a whole lot about his industries of fishermen. I, I was a fisherman, but I certainly wasn't good at it. You know, and it's a, it's just cool to have a record. And then fortunately, fine folks such as yourself picked it, checked it out, and now we have a podcast that's successful. It just keeps the ball rolling. It's really, it's cool. Yeah, even myself, I sometimes wish I'd kept some sort of journal or diary or back in the day. I mean, I've got a really good memory. I didn't do as much drugs as you, so um, <laughs> that, that way I can remember quite a bit. But a lot of it, you know, well, I was drinking quite heavily, so that was different. You know, that brings its own uh, memory loss. And like, yeah, like even myself, I'm going back to Hong Kong and China next month. The first, I, the first six trips I went there with another friend, and I can remember like a handful of incidences, you know, like we did and things we did. The rest of the time was just like a, a total memory, like yeah. blank, you know, in my life. And I worked out, I stayed there something like two and a half months of my life in the same, you know, hotel, like total over the trips. Wow. And it's just like, yeah. And because I don't really like speak to that guy anymore, like no, we've not fell out or anything, we just like, sort of went our separate ways and uh, he lives you know a wee bit from me like a fair distance and it's just like almost like a lot of that didn't happen because I've not you know like with other friends locally or that things with it you sort of reminisce more and it keeps it fresh you remember certain you know aspects yeah. but because because I only went with this guy we didn't really we don't really talk about the trips or that or you know share the stories again anymore They've kind of just disappeared to like yeah, I don't know where yeah. you know. I have that. Um, I have that too. I well, like I I I like my high school sweetheart was uh, an Islamic girl. Like even was one of those things. It was just you know you grow up in the same neighborhood and in America you don't really know, you don't really care like where your family's from. You know what I mean? You're all just kind yeah. of Americans. And then you know we grew up together, and. Yeah, and eventually the family was like, you guys got to get married, and you guys, you know, like, you can't be with... And then they were going to move back to the Middle East, and they were making arrangements for me to go to, like, the local college, and uh, don't get me wrong, we had quite a few differences, me and this family, but uh, (laughs) they uh, they were trying to, like, accommodate us, and they, you know, they were all like, you're, you know, you we're going to figure out a way to get you to move to Egypt and go to school there. And then you have to convert to Islam to like be with her. And I like went to uh, the mosque and I studied and, you know, like read the Quran and stuff like that. And it's like, that's just something like I have no recollection. That's such a bizarre thing to say right now. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's a part of my life. Like nobody knows about, no, I never talk about or anything. And one of the reasons I don't talk about it a lot is I don't really remember it all that well. I remember the, I remember the point I'd read uh, enough of the Quran to go, this is not me. Uh, I remember telling, you know, they, I I remember getting back from uh, fishing and, you know, you know, there's a real sense of like, Hey, I could have died there, (laughs) you know? And then, you, you, certain things come to focus once that happens. 
And uh, it, it, not that the, it, there was any great danger, but it's certainly it is the most dangerous job in the United States of America. And, you know, you come back and you realize, like, you can't, like, be play acting with anything. And I remember, like, telling her and telling the family and the family, like, hating me because they were, uh, you, you know, they, <laughs> they, they, it wasn't really kosher in their culture for, like, a couple to date and then not marry and blah, you know, and they'd. Yeah. You know, they've been told, like, you know, white people are not serious. And then, <laughs> look what happens, right? But, uh, it, you know, I don't really have a real recollection of a lot of it. And it's just so weird to think. I haven't even been to that part of the country in, like, 10 years. I, like, grew up there for decades, you know. And it's, like, it's, it's just weird how, like, things pass, you know. Like, it's just, uh, I, I'm only 27 years old, but I feel like, you know, uh, it's it's just weird how much has happened. You know what I mean? But I guess that's what happens when you're not sitting on your ass playing Xbox all day, which is what I see a lot of kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, that's what I see a lot of kids doing these days, and it's just weird because I know at like 27, like how much I've gotten to see and experience, and it's or like even like I'm so hypercritical of like the college centric focus of uh of today's culture because there's a lot of times they're like you got to go to college you got to go to college you got to go to college kid picks a degree he has no interest in right and for like four years if it's a tough degree that's like all he does you know what i mean it's like four years when you're young you know you just give away to a degree half the people i know from high school don't even use their degrees you know what i mean this is my whole critic criticism with the politics right now there there's one candidate in particular who's like we need to make, you know, we need to make college education free. And, you know, everybody cheers without doing the math. There's no such thing as free education. You never receive another person's services for free. That is impossible. Like, so someone's going to have to pay for it, one, which, you know, it's fine if you can get somebody to do that who it's not really going to hurt, but I don't think that's really realistic. And then, you know, the guy in one breath will say, like, it's a shame how nobody with a degree can get a job and then in the next breath he goes like everybody needs to get a degree and we're going to have the college education free well it's like well no this isn't how the free market works right like if (laughs) your degree is not really worth anything and you're wasting valuable years of your life getting it i mean that to me is like a crime against nature that is so sad to me you know what i mean because when you're young you should be out there making mistakes and experiencing new things and meeting new people and if you can traveling and just a lot of young people aren't doing that. And then there's a lot of like trade professions you can do for a couple of years and make way more money. And we've gotten wildly off topic as per usual, but this was, uh, yeah, this is fun. Last episode though, we gave more technical know-how that's than, right. than we've ever, <laughs> that, that's your dose guys for the next seven years. I'm sorry. I'm never being on, uh, <laughs> Not not as much anymore, but any, anyhow, it's uh, yeah. That, that's right. Last episode was super technical. Every question was technical. So um, yeah, we're we're allowed our little ramblings and rantings and where it goes. But no, it's just it is interesting. And when you look at life like that in terms of like snapshots, and if you don't have some sort of journal or diary um, or whatever, then things get lost. Oh you know? yeah, man. It's, it's an important stuff. Um, well, I, I, I had a, I had a, one more thing before we get it. I had a snapshot. Well, it, another thing is like when you asked me 
like at the beginning beginning of this sh- this show, like what have you been doing? I really try my best to say like what was the most important about the week, because I you know it, now there's an audio recording of it, right? And I can go back or whatever. And I was thinking like I had a bizarre one this week that was okay. So I found out uh, I don't know. Well, I I don't know why people are so private about this stuff, but essentially I I got a book deal, right? Like uh, I'm pretty, it's looking pretty likely I'm going to be publishing a book, right? And like had the contract sent to me, we agreed on the advance and everything. And when I found out was on my day off and a friend of mine had like let me visit a country club like near, uh, (laughs) like near my house, right? like had a had a membership there and let me hang out there. So I was literally poolside at a country club receiving <laughs> word that my, yeah. you know, like my book had sold, right? Did you have like a big phone like in Wall Street, you know, like the <laughs> 80s phones? <laughs> I went, I went, that was fly, man, those big 80s bricks, man. Like yeah. <laughs> they, these kids these days, oh, and the pagers, I remember the pager. <laughs> Well, it was, uh, but like, no, yeah, it was one of those like bizarre moments. I was like, because all I did, you know, to me, I'm the, uh, I, I think there's actually like an evolutionary reason, like a lot of super success, successful people don't really feel, uh, because like if you achieve something once and you were in a state of euphoria for the rest of your life, you probably would pass away because uh-huh. like you wouldn't eat, you wouldn't sleep or whatever. So probably very effective people have like real sense of anti-climax, right? Because they just, you know, it's like on to the next thing or whatever. And I remember, I, I was like looking at the thing and I was like, oh, that's cool. You know what I mean? And then I was like, dude, this has been your dream since you were like, uh, this is like when I was like a little kid, like as a joke, I used to, you know, they were, it, 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 you know, because they'd, even as a kid, like everything pissed me off and annoyed me, but they always asked like, you know, like, what do you guys want to be when you grow up? I was like, I'm going to be a writer. Like I wasn't, there wasn't, there's no want, right. Is what I said. They're like, how can you be so sure? I was like, I was like, I'll have enough money to buy all y'all houses. Right. Like, (laughs) like, and stuff like that. And it was like, you know, you know, decades later, like, Oh, check it out. You know, I just got commissioned to write a book. I'm going to be in, you know, the same bookstores I used to get stoned and zone out in during high school when I was playing, when I was ditching, like, there's going to be a book in there with my name on it. Like, that's a pretty, you know, I remember thinking, like, I got to take stock of this moment or like, that's, that's just so bizarre, right? But yeah, that was, uh, that was my way of weaving in what was the most exciting part about my week and letting you guys know there's going to be a book coming out. And yes, it is poker related. So stay is it tuned. Technical, technical or story? It's, Can you give us a, it's technical. It's. it's a, technical. I'm going technical. I'm probably going to self-publish a lot of my pet projects just because I don't know. I want complete control over it. I also I'm working on like a bunch of essays, which should be pretty fun. You know what I mean? There's uh, it, the other thing I thought you guys might like is I'm putting together all the road stories. Because I thought, because some of them are just so ridiculous. Like, there's a bunch, we've said a bunch of them on this show, but like, I'm writing them down. There's like, uh, I, I don't know, there was like one time, like, a guy tried to like adopt me on a plane. 
Like he just, it, like clearly it's schizophrenic, like went off, like but yeah, and I mean there's just stuff like that, you know, or you know, and uh, anyhow, uh, <laughs> just just to touch on that, what you said, um, I've got, uh, I just pulled it up on on the phone. There was a quote I read the other day, and it was by Seth Gordon, you know, like the marketing guy, and I don't know if yeah, you're yeah, I know aware of him, yeah. Um, his blog's amazing if uh, nobody... No, just going back to blogging, I see how this all ties in. He's blogged like every day for the last however many years, 10, 15 years. Wow. Some days some days it's literally like a sentence or some days it's a paragraph or you, you know, whatever. But he blogs every day and um, I've not actually read his blog in a while, but I used to read it all the time. Um, but I read this quote by him uh, yesterday, and this is really touches on like what you said there about you know getting the book deal at the country club, sitting at the pool, and stuff like that. And even in my own life, my own successes, you think, oh right, it, like all this anti-climax feeling or whatever. And he's got uh, the one thing that will change everything? Question mark. It doesn't exist. Yeah. That in- that introduction you need, the capital that your organisation is trying to raise the breakthrough in what you're building, have you noticed that as soon as you get that one thing, everything doesn't change? In fact, the only thing that changes is that you realize you don't need that one thing as much as you thought you did. Most likely, this speech or that inspection or this review won't materially change things overnight. Companies that raise hundreds of millions of dollars don't seem to have an effortless time in changing user behavior. Mm. And what and well-connected agents still have trouble selling that next script. It turns out that nothing will change everything for the better. It works better to focus on each step and instead of being distracted by a promised secret. Um, wow. I thought that was great. Yeah, that, you know? uh, that, that puts to shame anything I've ever written. But that's, uh, <laughs> that's pretty but good. But it's true, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, Oh. It's like we, uh, to bring it back to poker again, it's like we're always saying, and what I used to, like, my, people say, like, in an epiphany moment, and, and again, you know, I don't mind belittling, like, by no means am I anywhere near any slur level, but I did play and ground out a, a, a pathetic living for a couple of years, uh, playing online, and I was proud of that, and then I realized that, you know, I'd hit a ceiling, and I was never going to get better, because uh, I'm too lazy to study, uh, study algebra, and stuff <laughs> like that, you know, and apply it. And um, and what it came down to is just focusing on process rather than end results and just making sure on a day-to-day basis you're doing stuff that's going to add up and Mm -hmm. sort of like accumulate and over time you're going to be a happier person and and just not being really results-orientated, isn't it? And I I think that's, that's why people like yourself and me do have problems sometimes, right, working in for one of a, I was about to say a really bad word there, but I'm not going to knocking your such and such in, you know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. it's like it just becomes sort of like you knock yourself into the ground so much to like achieve something, you get it, and then it's just like you thought it was going to be this total party, whatever, but you're just like, right, okay, that's that done, and oh, well, right, okay, exactly. well, yeah. yeah, everything's not now, so, like, I'm going to go and find something else to, like, throw myself into. Well, I mean, okay, from, when I think of, like, when I think of, like, from age 15 to 18, I played poker, like, every night I could, like, in like, we didn't have, you know, until I was 17, I didn't have online, so, like, the first couple of years was, you know, packing into a car, 
packing, like literally like packing food. And then, you know, it'd be a school night and I wouldn't like get done till like 4 a.m. And like sometimes I'd, I'd bust all my money at 11. So I'd be there till like four, right? That's where I really got my love of reading because there was like nothing else to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, uh, you know, like doing that in the 16 to 17, 17 probably took me a year to get from my $50 deposit to $1,000, right? Because I, I, I made it very clear to myself, like if I can grind out seriously, you know, $5 sit and goes, I'll always be able to grind, right? And I didn't really have money to reload it. And then like when I came into professional poker after like three or four years, like I was probably still worse than, I mean, it, from professional poker players, I was probably worse than pretty much all of them. But like I could beat like 60% of the field in that, you know, like going from that to like right now, I think I'd be in the top percentile of like uh, no limit hold'em tournament, especially no limit hold'em tournament players, probably the top 0.1 percentile. As far as like no limit hold'em like cash, uh, I can't profess to be that good. Uh, I, but I still would probably put my in, in like the top couple percentile. I don't have one epiphany moment between those like, and you if. If like if I were to write out like a very thorough autobiography to let you know how much failure I have experienced, how many times I have like just been broken and left a you know like found a game, went there left broken. How many times I've like moved around and not even just that like failing in my relationships, failing in a lot of different things, moving from country to country to country, never really feeling like you find a place, never really making it, never staying sober, never. And it's just like, you know, just constant, like, you know, trying to take care of my family, not doing it right, not doing anything the right way, never knowing what to do. Like you would think like if you, if you just took like one chapter of that book, right? In actually just three chapters of that book and you read it, you would be like, man, this guy's not going anywhere, right? But like the whole time I was having fun because like I'm doing something that I wasn't supposed to be doing. My whole mm. life, I was told like high school, junior high, elementary school, if you don't go to college, you are a loser and your life is over. That was the big message, you know what I mean? Which is yeah. – which is – it still is today. It I is. Think. It is. And it's pretty messed up. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, well, you know, and I know those people are well-intentioned. They just don't want you digging ditches for your paycheck. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, but and this is somebody, I mean, you then, I, I went the other way. I finished school and went to university for four years and did a degree. And I'm still self-unemployed, as yeah, I yeah. like to call it. You know? <laughs> it's like, yeah, you I know? mean, and I don't begrudge anyone who gets a degree, like, my my wife uh, has a degree, and like her knowledge is, in, it's pretty clear. It gives her like a framework for every other like endeavor she does in her entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, I always mess up pronouncing that word. Sorry, guys. But uh, it, it's a, uh, you know what I mean. Like there are some forms of education. I really think like if you get a degree in medicine or law, it's just much more rigorous, and I think it teaches you the discipline to succeed in many formats of life. But, you know, just telling somebody you've got to get a degree in general studies, I don't really think is going to do much for you, you know. And uh, there, uh, 
Yeah, and I mean, just constantly the message was, you're never going to get to do anything you like. You're never going to get to write. You're never, you know, if you don't go to school and get a creative writing degree, you're going to, you're, uh, you're never going to, you're never going to have a good life. And like, just the fact I got to do any of it and even failing at it. And then, uh, sorry, my wife was leaving. I was trying to wave. <laughs> then, don't, don't want to distract uh, anyone, but uh, she she uh she doesn't uh she doesn't seem to care I'm on the radio but anyway uh, there uh uh like like even though I haven't like when I was 18 I moved to Seattle like to be a writer and it's like 27 I'm getting my first book published if I just say that statement you're like wow a lot of failure huh <laughs> and uh yeah but I was having fun the whole time and I guess that's being process orientated but I think that's also just Life is fun if you uh, if <laughs> if you focus on uh, if you focus on just the fact you're doing what you want to do and yeah it it never seems like there's never that turning point I always thought like oh I so hope I can pay off my house because if I can pay off my house I can just write much more right now writing doesn't pay that much I'm now getting paid a sum I threw out a number that was really important. You know what I mean? It was like it was, it was what I needed to take a break away from my more uh, uh, my more profitable endeavors, and I didn't think many people would be able to pay that number, and I didn't think the people who could pay that number would do it. But at the same time, they did do it, and now I get commissioned. I get to do my dream and take a couple months off and just write, and I. Yeah, it's like, oh, this has been my dream since I was a kid, but it's just like the guy says, it's like, oh, now I got to write. You know what I mean? Like, oh, wow, I have to. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you know, yeah, and there's also a lot of like no more. It's really easy to go like, ah, oh, if I could just get a couple weeks off from my job, I could really, or if I could get a couple months off from my job, uh, you know, I could make a run of it. You know, I could uh, I could try to be a professional poker player. Then your boss over here is and goes, oh, you want a couple months off? No problem, buddy. You've been working here for 10 years. I can give you some paid leave. Then you get the, uh-oh, like yeah. I got to actually do it. And there's a, uh, this is why when I hear people tell me, like the funniest thing to me is when people tell me what they want to do. Like you're at like a, you're at like a dinner party and people are thinking like, they tell you like, I, I'm thinking about directing a movie, right? It's like, well, are you doing anything for it? Are you going to school? Are you like anything? Well, no, I'm just thinking I'd like to direct. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> congratulations. You're now in an exclusive club that just includes everyone on earth. Cause yeah. like everybody <laughs> has thought of something they want to do. You know what I mean? Like, you know, tell me what you're doing. And even if you're failing, you know what I mean? Like, I think, uh, I I think that's pretty cool. Just like I'd I'd rather let know the guy who's tried and failed. You know what I mean, and then Definitely. move into it. And then yeah. Anyway, follow your dreams. Life is short. That's yeah, really yeah, right. exactly. Just have fun, man. Like and yeah, so <laughs> cliche. It's so true. Listen, well, I'm going to say it. Everybody's going to die. Me, Alex, you, your kids, everyone. <laughs> yeah, true. Everyone it's is, true. No, I I say that like to, like some people when I need a little shot. Even when I look at my like my little nephew, like he's five, I, right. I joke with like my brother. I go, he's gonna die, like everybody, <laughs> you know. <laughs> True. And like every 
everybody's like, you know, like they're either calling the police or they're going, uh, like, oh no, you're right. And you go, seriously, in a hundred years, it doesn't matter. Just fucking enjoy yourself. And I think people need to remind themselves that on a daily basis because it really all doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, you yeah, know? Yeah, and I mean... Without, without getting depressive. No, I mean, know? like, you know, something I always say is, like, struggling to do something you love is fun. Like, you will look back on that time really fondly. Like, I... Like, when I got out of high school, well, like, it wasn't in high school. I, I, I left my home during high school and lived in, like, I've, I've said this before on the show, but lived in, like, the garage with no heating, no plumbing, right? And it was, like, it was the hood. Like, SWAT was there all the time. <laughs> and it's, like, you're walking down the street to go play poker, and, like, because they had, like, poker rooms there, right? Casino Road, it's like, here's a prostitute, here's a crack addict, you know, another base head, another base. You know, you're like, man, like, this is... But, like, I was thrilled to be there because it's like, who gets to do this, man? Like, who gets to take their shot here, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, I'm sure if I got, you know, if I got, uh, if, if I ever got a... Uh, I, I was going to say boosted. If, if uh, like, Let me pick like a easier term. If I ever get got jumped, I'm pretty sure I would have changed my tune pretty quick. But like just the fact, you know what I mean? Like I look back on that time really fondly because I was very passionate about something I loved. And I was in pretty dire circumstances. And it was just that hustle, like that 16 hour a day, got to get it. Like, you know, that yeah. it, it teaches you something. It's like you learn to trust yourself as well. Yeah, definitely. And as you say, you learn other skills and stuff. That's all good for you. It's all it's all good ingredients. Uh, right. For for your life, it's good for the soul. Um. Okay. Well, let's uh, let as usual. We've rambled and went into. Now this is good. You all should be I sending us PayPal. Yeah, PayPal. yeah, I know PayPal donations. How, welcome. How yeah. much? How much does a motivational speaker cost to come to your school? And we just come to your, uh, we come right to your car for free, or your iPod. Yeah, that's it. Um, okay, um, let's get into the questions. The first one, um, and yeah, as I say, last one was very technical. This this is a good smattering. So this one's anonymous, and this one was messaged to me by one of uh, Alex's roster, as he says. Uh, someone contacted either through Facebook, and they've said, hello, Alex. Can you give me any advice on how to keep a girlfriend and play online poker? I play online a lot. I work, but any sports spare time I get, I grind. As you know, you need to put in the hours, especially as I am a tournament player. I lost a girlfriend in the past because of this. Anyways, I've just met a girl, and I think it could really go somewhere, but she knows nothing about poker, does not understand that I am a profitable player. She sees it as gambling and is scared that I would blow my money for bills etc on poker i think i'm doomed to be single how do you get around this this is uh i totally forgot we sent this to you and it's yeah. it's kind of cool because it sets up uh I, it, it it goes back to something i brought up into the introduction like yeah as you can imagine when i was dating an islamic girl they're not really into the gambling thing mm-hmm. uh well actually it's a. Uh, uh, it, it's a, forbidden, yeah, it's a sin. Yeah. It's a sin. Going onward, I, one of the deals I made with one of uh, with my first girlfriend was like, look, 
here's our money that we were going to spend on like video games, right? Like this are whatever, uh, whatever was the recreational activity. And I'm just going to take this this time. And this, you know, we, we weren't really, you know, sauced about what we wanted to get with this money anyway. So with your permission, I'm just not going to spend this money on a couple extra pizzas and video games and nights out. I'll cook you dinner a few nights this week and we can just watch a DVD I borrow from my friend. I'm going to save this money and this is going to be my poker budget forever. If I lose this, I'm done. Right. And this was like the Greg Raymer proposition, right. It, that he made with his wife. And I thought it was pretty ingenious because it's just like when you go up to talk to a stranger, if you tell the stranger, if you don't tell the stranger, like I got a couple minutes, this is one of the smartest things I ever heard about, like talking to business people. It's like, tell them you just have a couple minutes and then they, they're not really panicking the whole time about when they get rid of you as they have to get rid of so many different people. Uh, you just go, Hey, I only got a couple minutes, but I wanted to say like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then, uh, it really works for uh, it really works for this too. It's like here's my set amount of money, and you know if I lose it, and then you you better make sure you never lose it, right? And you, yeah, however, you know you can supplement your income like writing articles for poker websites or something, right? But I think it's a really good practice to go like, you know, hey, look, this is our, my set amount of money, this is my set budget. Money is, I'm never going to include money to play poker, but money will come out of this, right, for our other stuff. But money never goes into this, right? And if this goes bust, I go get a job, blah, 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 right? That that really worked pretty much always. Uh, the, other, uh, the other thing was, I mean, you'll get to a certain point where, you know, it, it's kind of stupid because you can have, like, I remember in Seattle, like I had the condo and like, you know, like the big screens and like the office with like the huge monitors and like the stock bar and like leather couches and all that. And like, I didn't have that much money, but at some point people are going to look at that and go, this person knows what he's got going on. Right. And the other thing is, uh, I think when you're dating, you're like coming up in poker, uh, well, I mean, God, man, it's so hard. It's so, because like, there's nothing that sucks more than being like an 18 to 23 year old guy who's like not in college, like trying to date. Because chicks your age aren't really into a guy like that. Uh, they they either want to see that you're in their school because then there you have something to that's familiar with them, or you know if you are working and doing something with your life, that's attractive to them. Uh, but you're not really in that stage yet. So I, I would say like, you're going to have to play in, I mean, this just goes in general for guys. Now say this doesn't work out for you, my friend, it's more of a numbers game. You have to put yourself out there a little more and just like meet new people. Uh, don't, you know, there, I know a lot of guys who have like a very specific type and I think that's kind of, I, I, I don't know, that's really snobby. Not like, not, not like 
I, and I'm not talking like they want the girl to be like funny and laid back. Like that's fine. I'm talking about like, I only like brunettes that are five, six to five, eight. Right. Like that's, I don't think really going to benefit you. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't into uh, like a lot of, I definitely like, there was a lot of people I met like at the beginning. I, there was a lot of like women I met and I was like, well, you know, like I wasn't super feeling it at the beginning, but like as we went on, I was like, hey, I really, you know, I really dig this chick, right? And it was more fun that way. But like if I just, you know, had blown her off at the beginning, it would have been like, ah, you know, like it wouldn't have worked out. And the other thing was like probably the best relationship I had coming up in poker was when I, I met a med school student. And they're working pretty similar hours to what you should be working. So they kind of understand when you look a little sleepless, uh, when you show up, when you're a little more tired. And, uh, it, it, you know, they're, they're a little more likely to, like, laugh about it. And uh, I, I think that, you know, if you have someone who's got, like, a super demanding schedule as well, I think that works pretty well. But you got to realize there's going to be, like, a big... When she, you know, she, she, uh, she got accepted into, I think it was University of Texas. And, you know, she was like, I'm moving there. I was like, I'm not, you know, like, I guess that's it. You know, like, she was like, you're so cold hearted. You just say it like that. I was like, well, no, there's not really much else to say. Like, you know, I'm a, my family's here. I'm not, you know, like, and I'm not going to do the long distance thing, you know, but, uh, I think really also you got to separate like you can't take your poker crap uh, into the relationship, right? Like when you're in your computer room and this also is just a good habit. You shouldn't get super emotional either way. You shouldn't get really excited when you win a pot. You shouldn't get really down when you lose one, have your money separate from your poker bankroll. I mean, excuse me, separate from your normal bankroll pretend like you know play at like stakes where you can make some serious money but you're not likely to lose a ton of money so that's usually way below what most people want to play but that's what worked for me and I think it works for most people put in a lot of hours and you know like if you win something like you know do something nice go to some place nice and you know let it slip in that it's like oh yeah I you know I did well in a pretty big tournament uh, you know, so I thought I'd treat you since, you know, I'm a little more flush at the moment, but you know, don't make a big deal about it because if it's the be all end all of your life, it looks a lot like this isn't normal for you, which sends the message that it, which sends the message that you're not really a professional. You're kind of just joyriding when it comes to this. So, uh, keep a separate bankroll, always keep that bankroll separate, always, you know, and it's also beneficial to be like, Hey, you know, uh, you can look at my bank account statement. I'll open it for you. You can see no money's coming out that to do any, you know, to do anything with, uh, like poker or anything like that. And, uh, try to keep it separate. Just try to really make it clear. It's your job. You can also try to explain poker a bit. Like I had a friend, I, I had a Mormon friend growing up and he was always super worried. He was a super sweet kid. He was always really worried about me playing poker. And then, like, I was like, you know, Keone, like, one day, right, like, 
look, man, let me, let me just teach you how this works, right? And, uh, and I, I sat him down and, like, I remember we didn't have, like, money or anything. So I ripped up a piece of paper and made, like, little balls. And I was like, these are your chips, right? And then we, I, you know, I put a bunch in his corner, my corner, right? And we were at a Starbucks and I was explaining him how to play poker and, like, he was a quick study, so in, like, 40 minutes he got it, and he was like, this is a really psychological game. There's a lot of skill in this. I was like, yes, thank you. And then he was like, from that point on, he never, you know, he, he never was, like, worried about me. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, like, now my friend's not constantly telling me to go to Gamblers Anonymous. And uh, I think it's also, I, I think, I think that's about, I think that's the stuff that really worked out. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of, yeah, but like, I, yeah, go ahead. I, I, I would say like, I mean, I, I even experienced it with my girlfriend, now, now fiance. Um, we, like, I was brutal from the start. I was like, not just with poker. I was like, right, this is what I do. This is why I do it and such and such. I'm not going to stop like playing poker. And I was playing live a lot at the time. Uh, local casinos until like you know four or five in the morning sometimes and coming home and um it wasn't sociable i was sleeping all day and stuff like that yeah that's bad. when we weren't living together it was sort of like oh you're never really seeing me you're at the casino etc i was like well i'm seeing you at this point and that point and i told you why i'm doing it i'm not going to not you know if you say i can't do this and not do that i'll resent you and stuff i was pretty like um assholeish about it really you know what i mean and yeah you reminded just, me just, of something yeah go ahead <laughs> just, just just being just being like i don't know blunt and like at the start i'd went from like years before it of just like not a, like the longest relationship i had previous was like three four months actually six months i think it was apart from that it was just like you know like a young guy would do like one night stands and casual relationships etc and then, yeah, I met her and I wanted it to, you know, develop and, it, and things like develop and, you know, yeah, I like this girl, I'm going to put time in and such and such. And it was just a total work in progress the whole time. I just had to say, you know, this and that. And I would notice my mood sometimes when I was playing at home and she'd come home and I'd be like, oh, fuck, the last thing I want to do is be playing and she walks in the door because then it's like, oh, you didn't come and say, you know, like, hi and stuff, like, that's me home. You're like, well, I'm playing a you know, I get a break every five minutes to the hour and shit like that. Yeah. You know, ridiculous things. So it's hard for them as well. You know, I can take oh, myself yeah. outside it and say, you know, it's hard for them. So I think you just got to be open and communicate and be a bit, uh, it's a work in progress and you'll find a way if it's meant to be. You know, that's not going to be the thing that makes or breaks your relationship. Because if it does, then it, you're not meant to be together anyway. It's sort of like incompatible. But yeah, um, just, don't make any promises that you can't keep. Just be real and try and like work out things and do try and spend some time, which is probably good for your game and sanity as well. Because um, if there was one thing I would say, it would be to spend a little bit more time away from the computer to like make you more productive at the computer sort of thing. So right. that's all I would add to it. You know? Well, and I, I, you reminded me of like when... I, I moved in with a girl like right out of high school and I, I didn't think, you know, I just thought we were going to be roommates, but I, you know, I, I was pretty stupid. I was 18 years old. I didn't really realize like when a man and a woman live, live together alone, like, 
you whether you realize it or not, you're about to start playing house, right? Like it's going it's going to happen. And I was, you know, I wasn't really thinking about that. And to be fair, I probably shouldn't have been because she wasn't anything, you know. And then, you know, I was like up till six in the morning because that was the only time I could win at poker was at the nighttime. I would do the 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. shift. I get I get done. Uh, I get done working swing shift at security two to ten. Come home, play eleven to like seven, eight in the morning, uh, nine in the morning, ten in the morning sometimes. And like, you know, obviously we're on opposite schedules. It doesn't work. And I was super, uh, I, I was super depressive and drinking a lot. And like I was dealing. I went like when I quit and went pro. I didn't change when I quit my security job and went pro. I didn't change my schedule. I kept playing like that, and then she was, uh, you know, now we've known each other for a few months. We've got blah, blah, blah. It's not working, right? And then, you know, I'm deciding, like, when I'm stressed, I'm going to drink, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to sleep weirder hours, and she wants to hang out with me, and I'm like, well, that's not working out. And then she, you know, eventually it, it turned into kind of like, uh, you know, it, it turned pretty bad. Like, it, it worked, it, it, it got pretty bad, right? And I, but blessedly, I felt like I learned from that with my wife now. With my wife, like one of the first things, like she, the Costa Ricans, I don't know what it is, but they don't really care what you do for a living as long as you're taking care of your bills. I, 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 I don't really, I've never had anybody really glorify what I do. And I've never really had anybody really poo-poo what I do. They're just kind of, oh, okay, that's what you do. So I was, I remember thinking, well, she trusts me and you really should find somebody that trusts you. And I, I did meet like, you know, I did meet women in the Western world, I guess you would say, who did trust me. And then uh, it, it was, but like, I didn't really, really respect their trust. Right. I was just playing too much. And then, so what I did was just whenever they had a social thing, the family, cause like the family's really important in this culture. And whenever they had a thing with the family, I was there the first couple of years. Right. And I wanted to make that clear. That was like a perk of my life as I got to like rearrange my schedule. Right now, this meant sometimes I went home and I worked from six till midnight and it certainly wasn't like comfortable you know what I mean? But like comfortable wasn't really what I got in this for. I got this in, I got into this to have a hot wife and a nice house and have a pretty stable life. And I was going to work for that. Right. And, you know, eventually she, you know, she was like, wow, you know, like he's always, he's always there for my family. Right. And he can just drop what he's doing most of the time. Right. Now, obviously like with the tournaments, I always had to be very clear, like, Hey, I'm not going to be able to do much of anything on these days, you know what I mean? And then the fact I'd been available for all that other stuff kind of played in my favor at that point. And it was like, Oh yeah. Okay, cool. I get that. You know? And then she, it, this is the first time I had a woman like cook for me. Right. And I was like, Whoa, <laughs> like, did you just bring me a meal? You know, like I, I was like, I felt like I had to like fall at her feet. Right. I get, I guess that, I guess I had women like cook me meals before, but it was always with the, uh, it, it 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 was a different understanding, you know what I mean? It what, but like, and it didn't happen that often. It was always something else. It, it was 
not in the form of, oh, you're working, let me make you something to eat. That was just so sweet, right? But I realized, you know, since I put in work all those other times and I went to every, you know, fan, you know, I don't really want to go to my nephew-in-law's, like, recital, but the fact, like, I'm the one, fa- you, you know, I'm the one family member everybody counts on to show up, it, it mm-hmm. becomes, it, the, people start, like, oh, he's a good guy, what does he do? He plays poker, oh, I don't really get that, but it seems to work well for him, okay, cool, they give you the benefit yeah. of the doubt at some point, if you, and I never let my poker stuff show up, ever, it's always, my wife actually thinks it's weird. She was like, you know, she found out one time. It was like, how'd you do this month? Like, and I didn't really think of it. It's not like I hide anything from her, but I was like, I lost forty thousand dollars, and she was like, what? Are you serious? And I was like, yeah. I didn't even know. Like, how do you just look normal? And then you know, there's been other times I make like twenty thousand, and then I don't really bring it up, right? And she thinks that's weird as well, like 20,000 in a night, right? She thinks that's weird as well, but it's like, I'm not really trying to bring my job into like day traders have the same thing. You know what I mean? You don't try to really bring it home. And uh, yeah, it was, it was so funny on Twitch one time, my wife, like I went to the bathroom and she didn't know like the Twitch camera was on. She went and like checked what the payout was on a final table, right? And everybody was like, she checking the money, right? She, she wants to know. But like that's not really her fault because she knows I'm not really going to talk about it. And she, she knows, you know what I mean? So she was just kind of curious. Like I wonder how much it is this time, you know what I mean? And like, but, oh, my God, she was so embarrassed. I felt so bad. <laughs> she was like, they think I'm a gold digger now. That's so far from the truth. I knew, you know, and it, she, uh, she knew me back when I was sleeping on a mattress in the inner city after I blew my first fortune. So. And there was, there was 400K on there. Like, <laughs> yeah, so. with, the shot, with the shoddy. <laughs> Come and get me. Yeah. <laughs> let's go. Right, let's do this, yeah. boys. I'm ready. Uh, okay, well, good luck with your relationship. Um, and let, let us know how it goes on. And invite us to the wedding if it, yeah. if it survives. Yeah. Um, okay, next question is, where are we? Here it is. It's from Charles Mandolin six 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 on America's Card Room. I refuse um, to answer this. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. Uh, hi, hi, Barry and Alex. I listen to the podcast very frequently, although I only discovered you recently, and hence I'm still catching up with previous episodes. I love the show; great entertainment, and with luck, I might be learning something too. I have a question regarding ranges. I recently wrote a bit of Python code to check starting hand ranges versus random hands with a view to using the results to guide my own starting range. When we talk about an opponent playing the top percentage of hands only, which range is it? I have eight different starting hand league tables, one for heads up, one for versus two players, etc., all the way up to versus eight. The heads up and versus eight are different lists. They both start with aces, kings, kings, queens, queens. But also, but after uh, that, they, they then diverge. Clearly in a game, there may be heads-up pots and multi-way pots, although having everyone in the pot seems unlikely. How should I assess what someone's range might represent? 
Sorry if it's long-winded. Please edit as you... Well, cheers. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, it was... Uh, uh, it, there, it, I'm trying to answer, but this is a very... Like, this goes into how do I play poker, which is the joke I always make. It's like when it's such a broad... But the big thing is, is like, yeah, it's really cool you're doing this work. This work is really going to allow you to uh, feel much more in control of your game. I find the people that don't try to work on their ranges, work on their, uh, just work on their fundamentals, tend to feel a little more flummoxed when they get deep in a tournament. And it, they just feel the groundwork needs to be laid there to keep your bearings. Uh, this is something I'm working on with a student of mine right now. He's very good, but I don't feel like the groundwork is there. I think he shoots more from the hip. And I think if you have the groundwork, you, you really keep your head on when things go wrong. Uh, wrong. Uh, and you don't need to use substitutes like marijuana is a popular one when people are feeling insecure about their game or, you know, various other drugs or drinking at night. So you don't have to use those if you have the groundwork. And you're doing that right now, so I'm very happy for you. Um, yeah, I tend to... The big differentiation I make is heads up, like big cards are very important because most likely one pair is going to be the best at showdown and top pair is almost always the best card at show, uh, the best hand at showdown. Uh, when not almost always, but most of the time. Right. Uh, so like heads up, I'm really into like big cards, right? Like big cards are really what I like. Uh, so the way this applies like full ring is let's say you have like a queen 10 or a queen jack offsuit. I'm a lot more likely to like get that heads up. Uh, even if that requires three betting, uh, I'll, I'll try to get that heads up because if I make one pair that tends to be the best hand, uh, in a three way or four way pot, uh, I find that the flush draws, the suited connectors end up becoming way more valuable because by the Turner river, most likely one pair is not going to be your best hand uh, in a three or four way pot. Usually that's going to be the best second best hand. And people develop this habit from heads up pots where they're top pair, top kickers, especially if the top kicker is almost always the best hand. They get into this habit where like one pair is king and it ends up sinking them. Whereas I would much rather play like even a seven, five suited sometimes multi-way especially if it's going to be four or five players. I like the seven, five suited, but like uh, with like three players or something, I like the premium suited connectors, six, seven suited, seven, eight suited, eight, nine suited, uh, like uh, it much harder to make those combinations than people realize. Uh, and then you're just going to flop so many hands that are really likely that river value is what you're really focusing on because that's when the pot is the biggest. And getting one river bet is often the equivalent of getting like six continuation bets. So I really focus on, you know, it, getting those back doors, getting those uh, flush draws, getting those straight draws, getting those pairs in a draw. Those are really important in those multi-way pots because if you make your hand and you get your river bet, and people give away the river bet away way too much in tournaments, uh, you'll notice in cash games people do not give away the river bet that frequently in fact people are might be a little too tight on the river in cash games but in tournaments they're too loose so those hands especially uh 
especially early on, are really powerful. And I see a lot of people like 3-bet the 6-7 suited and flat with the queen-jack off or full of the queen-jack off. That is completely opposite. You should be getting it heads up with a lot of the uh, – you should be getting it heads up with a lot of those big card combinations, especially like the better big card combinations like ace-jack, ace-10 off. Uh, something like that, just below what you could flat, like an ace-king or ace-queen. But like ace-queen off, ace-king off, I, I, I love to three-bet those a lot more. If I'm going to flat them, it's typically like small blind or big blind. Small blind when I know the big blind's going to fold. Big blind because I know there's nobody else in the pot. And uh, that really accentuates my check-raising ranges when people know I could have top pair, top kicker, whereas most people would just three-bet those. In the most likely situation, I'm going to be check-raising is the big blind. Uh, but yeah, uh, you're right. They do diverge. Uh, it's really important. You study them and then it's really important. You go out there and play and find where perhaps like the mathematical models do not really break the way I, 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 I find that a lot of times when I rely on the really purely theoretical understanding of the game that I run into some trouble and I really do need to, uh, couple that with an extensive number of hands which I've been blessed enough to play, but I, I think all of us has to work forward to. Because like if you played a lot of hands in 2009, that really doesn't mean anything these days. So you really do have to make sure you're playing constantly, at, at, if, even if it's just an hour or two a day, much like uh, Seth Godin writing something every day in his blog. Yeah. It's just like that with poker. Just keep it up and then, yeah, put everything together. I think you're on the right path. Okay. And um, I think we got time. Do you, do you have time for one more question? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Squeeze in. Okay. Uh, last question for today then is from Ian. Uh, hi guys, if you have time, oh, it's quite. That's wow. Quite good. He even said, <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> uh, if, if you have time, could you discuss bet sizing post flop? I think I'm a bit all over the place with it, and might be giving off some bet sizing tells, etc. Thanks. Yeah. Uh... The big thing is to know what all of your bet sizes need to do. And, like, I'll throw this out during a lesson. I'll be like, how much does this need to work? And if people don't know that off the top of their head, I make sure to make fun of them ruthlessly. I think <laughs> I think Barry Chalmers can attest to this. I don't know yeah. why I gave your full name, but <laughs> just in case people didn't know. I was reading it on my screen, and it, like, it went out there. It's like... Uh, yeah, everybody knows. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow... Uh, there is, uh, like the big thing is just know what each bet needs to do. So like if you bet half the pot, it needs to work 33% of the time, two thirds, 40% of the time pot size. It needs to work 50% of the time, 1.5 X size of the pot, 60% of the time, two times the size of the pot, 66% and one third, the size of the pot, uh, 25%. Uh, you can do this by, uh, it, it's really simple division. If there's, but by the way, if I can do this stuff, everybody can do it because I was no math wizard. And I think I've told this story before, but when I entered Seattle Central Community College, I took a placement exam. They said, you need to go back to ninth grade mathematics. And I went, well, F you guys. I'm going to go take, you know, Asian American history and hip hop history and crap like that. I'm never getting a degree out of here. <laughs> but uh if you guys, it's pretty simple. Like there's three units in the middle. Let's say you bought you. Uh, let's say you bet one third the size of the pot, right? There's three units in the middle. You bet another third. 
There's three thirds in the middle. You bet another third. Now there's four thirds. You put one over four and you get that's how you one third over four thirds. I got this really tripped up, but like it's you bet one unit into three units. You then divide everything in the pot by what you're risking. So one unit divided by four units because you get your bet back when it succeeds and then you get 25% of the time. Now, the other thing you need to remember is the reverse of that is what your opponent needs to defend with. There's a much better word for that. What, what do you call that when what uh, your, your maths are much better in Scotland, right? What do, you, what do you call it when it's like 33% and the rest is 67%? The inverse? Is that what you what, – what do you call that? Yeah, the, the, I think – well, inverse is inverse. what I think you're, you're meaning. Yeah. yeah, it's inverse. Okay, yeah. Anyhow. Yeah. Anywho, the inverse of that is what your opponent needs to defend with, right? And – so, like, if you bet a third of the pot, your opponent needs to defend with 67% of the hands. This is a really good rough idea for what you – because there's a lot of times it's like, I bet 1.5 exercise of the pot. You know, like, I'll do this in 10Ks, and it's like, it's pretty much like, if I get called, I'm gone, right? Like, that's it. But, like, I feel very comfortable about it because my opponent – my bet needs to work 60% of the time, which means my opponent needs to defend four hands out of 10, Right? If I don't think he's calling one hand out of ten, which is typically what I think when I make that play, right? Uh, it's like, well, he most of his range is top pairs, blah, blah, blah. Uh, top pairs, second pairs. And if I bet 1.5x, I think he only calls me with top pair, top kicker or better, which means he's de- defending only like three hands out of ten, two hands out of ten. Uh, I think this is going to work, right? Uh, getting good with that is what's really going to help your bet sizing. Uh, you got to, a lot of times I'll set up for the street where the guy becomes like, uh, the, the guy becomes more realistic. So let's say a guy's full to see, bet is nothing, but on the turn, it's like 50, 60%, right? Board comes like seven, five, two, two diamonds. I'll lead out like pretty small. And if the guy calls me pretty quickly without much thought, that shows he doesn't have a set, he doesn't have a nut flush draw, he doesn't have a big flush draw, he doesn't have like a big draw, he can't really have an overpair because he probably just called me pre-flop. So that shows like the guy is like one pair, like a high card, that, you know, he's just like, oh, I can't fold this flop, I call. And then, then I'll load up on the turn, I'll take that money that, I only bet like one third on the flop, right? Now, I'll take that money I didn't throw into, like, a big bet, and I'll put, like, a two-thirds bet on the turn where he gets a little more honest versus his capped range, and more often than not, I'll see a fold. Uh, it, it's, it, you can get away with not sizing quite so precisely, but I think that's only good when you're, like, massively multi-tabling. If you're playing only a few tournaments, I think you should really be thinking about it. If you watch... Uh, like Cal 42688, like he's very careful with his bet sizing, uh, very careful with his timing as well, a uh, little off topic. But see what your bet needs to accomplish, and then think about what your opponent's actually calling with. Ask yourself if that ratio is going to work. And there's a lot of times you'll notice if you watch me play on twitch.tv slash the assassinato, a lot of times I'll just check give up. Because, like, if I bet half the pot, it needs to work 33% of the time. I don't think it's working, like, one time out of 10 when I bet there. 
the guy's so protective, and he doesn't fold on the turn either, in which case I'm just firing uh, bad money after worse. It's just, it just keeps going and piling on top of each other. So I just check give up on the flop. And a lot of people, a lot of people don't know when to check give up. A lot of people don't know when to fire multiple barrels. Most people just fire one and they're done. Take a look at your fold to flop, see bet, fold to turn, see bet, fold river, see bet with the guy. Try to find his honest street and pile up the money on that street. Uh, also, if he doesn't have one, don't be afraid to check fold. One way to exploit your opponent's range is to fold. People forget that. And uh, know what your bets need to accomplish. Really work with Flopzilla, right? Give that guy his range. Give him the board. Uh, and put the board in there. Put the dead cards. And just put a little uh, check mark next to everything you think you're defending. Flopzilla really clearly will show you what percentage of the hands he's defending, what percentage he's not. And then you'll find out if he's defending 44% of the hands, that means 56% of the time he's folding. Did you bet half the pot? Your bet needed to work 33% of the time. He's folding a full 23% more than that. That's a pretty good margin for error. I like your bet. If you find the margin of error is only a couple hairs of a percent, maybe this isn't a good bet. Maybe if you fudged anything... It's going to be a problem. We just got phones going off on every, <laughs> everywhere, man. Everywhere. Call the house. Call the house. I disconnect the phone before. But, like, usually nobody. I, we started doing this at an earlier hour in Costa Rica, and usually nobody calls that early. But uh, apparently they do now. But, like, uh, anywho, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, work with your Flopzilla, man. You'll, uh it, it, I spend more time with that little baby dinosaur than I do my wife some days. And you know what? It's worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> it's a, but honestly, like, it feels really good when you're in a tournament. Like just the first thing, like you make a bet and it doesn't, the guy raises you. And like most guys who don't have that groundwork are like, oh my God, man, did I just waste a C bet? But like if you know the math like backwards and forwards and it's like, it is so unlikely this guy is defending. Another fun thing you can do with Flopzilla is see what the guy needs to be defending to make your your bet unprofitable. And sometimes it's like he must call with, like, queen high. No backdoor draw, nothing. It's like if you don't think that's happening 95% of the time, it was probably a good bet. And then when you get to the point where it's like with Flopzilla, you can do triple shell bluffs and you can see some of them on card runners use promo code free month, all capital letters uh, to get two months access for $30 uh, to 2000 plus video. See how I'm working in the plugs with this, mm -hmm. but like you can see, yeah, man, that's how I get paid the big bucks. It's just so subtle. Anyway, there, uh, except for when I draw attention to it, like I'm doing right now, but there's like you, like once you get to the point, you know, the triple shell bluffs that are really profitable and you run like a triple shell bluff like other people wouldn't dream of doing, and you do a sizing other people would never dream of doing, and you know it backwards and forwards, it's going to work. It's this incredible feeling of power, man. Like, it's just... It, I ran this triple shell bluff at the Venetian 5K, and I just I ran into the nuts. It, it was awesome. And uh, <laughs> the, the guy begrudgingly crying called with the second nuts. And I like turned over like fourth pair, <laughs> like nice. Like, but like everybody's giving you the stairs. 
and everybody's like, man, he really blew up, man. He sucks. And people are like, what did he do? And I started like hysterically laughing. I was like, I'm better than all of them. I'm better. Mm -hmm. Like I, I know what's going on here and nobody else does. They're still just playing patty cake, patty cake, Baker Smith, like imitating their neighbor. Like they're just, they don't get it. Like the board I went after, there's like no ranging on Flopzilla that could have made it unprofitable. Like there, I've literally done it like, you know, if maybe a hundred times. Right. And it's like, no, maybe not a hundred times, but I've done it a lot. Right. And I could not find a ranging where it's unprofitable. Right. And these people have no clue. They have no idea. Like that is a really, that, that's an intoxicating feeling. And I want that for yourself. So, Go get yourself some Flopzilla, son. And if you write me at assassinoutcoaching at gmail.com for any other inquiry, including this one, you, my assistant will respond to you. But if you want to get a discount, write me. We'll try to figure it out. And, uh, uh, hold, yeah, let's go. Let's go. I'm done. Oh, okay. Well, it's a uh, nice time because it's uh, time for your plugs now, your legitimate plug time. Yeah, so, yeah. So uh, how can <laughs> How can people get in touch with you, Alex, and buy your stuff, etc.? Write us, assassinoutcoaching at gmail.com for any inquiries. Check out my site, pokerheadrush.com, if you want to sign for a lesson. Just click on consultations. And that's, like, pretty much our directory for, like, all the podcasts, articles, strategy articles, blogs. Uh, also, me ranting about Chinese movies and stuff like that. Uh, just fun stuff, like rap battles and stuff like that. Uh, check that out. Follow me on Twitter at the Assassinato, and be sure to favorite my Twitch page, Twitch.tv/TheAssassinato, and check it out every time we're streaming for free. And uh, yeah, it's a good it's a good time. Uh, come in there, talk with other like-minded people, hear me as I dish out wisdom, watch me go deep in tournaments, watch me play cash. It's a good time, and all the deals we got going on there underneath will help you out. Uh, just go beneath the stream; you can see all of them. And, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Okay, and if you want to get questions in for Alex on the next show, email them to questions at oneouter.com or tweet them at oneouter.com or post them in the Facebook group. Oh, and I forgot. One more thing. One more thing. If you guys want to sign up for our fine sponsor site, America's Card Room, you'd like to get some rake back, do it through our link, get 27% rake back, make a deposit, Write me at assassinoutcoaching at gmail.com. Say, this is my email. This is my uh, sign-in name. If I check and you made a deposit, you get a free copy of You Flat Too Much Dissecting the Dog Better. That's a check raise fool. One of those webinars. And uh, we'll just ship it right off to you, and you get free training along with your sign-up. So go out and go, go forth and spew, young man, and I will help you. Okay, until the next episode... Uh, keep your questions coming in, and we'll see you then. Cheers. Cheers. The date for the next Million Dollar Sunday is locked. On September 13th, 2015, America's Card Room brings you the next Million Dollar Sunday, a $1 million guaranteed poker tournament with a gigantic $200,000 cash prize for first place. Get your seat through daily free rolls, tons of satellites and super satellites with multiple guaranteed packages. Don't miss out on your biggest payday yet. AmericasCardRoom.com